chapter twenty two of ardath by marie corelli this librivox recording is in the public domain wasted passion the assembled maidens had retired modestly into the background while the laureate had thus joyously greeted his returned guest but now at a signal from their lord they again advanced and taking up the glittering dishes of fruit and the flasks of wine proffered them in turn to theos with much deferential grace and courtesy he was by no means slow in responding to the humble attentions of these fair ones there was a sort of deliciously dreamy enchantment in being waited upon by such exquisitely lovely creatures the passing touch of their little white hands that supported the heavy golden salvers seemed to add new savour to the luscious fare the timorous fire of their downcast eyes softly sparkling through the veil of their long lashes gave extra warmth to the ambrosial wine and he could not refrain from occasionally whispering a tender flattery or delicate compliment in the ear of one or other of his sylph-like servitors though they all appeared curiously unmoved by his choicely worded adulation now and then a pale flickering blush or sudden smile brightened their faces but for the most part they maintained a demure and serious demeanour as though possessed by the very spirit of invincible reserve with saluma it was otherwise they hovered about him like butterflies round a rose a thousand wistful passionate glances darted upon him when he unconscious or indifferent apparently saw nothing many a deep involuntary sigh was stifled quickly ere it could escape between the rosy lips whose duty it was to read themselves with smiles and theos noticing these things thought heavens how this man is loved and yet he out of all men is perhaps the most ignorant of love's true meaning scarcely had this reflection entered his mind than he became bitterly angry with himself for having indulged in it how recreant how base an idea how incompatible with the adoring homage he felt for his friend what saluma a poet whose songs of love were so perfect so wildly sweet and soul entrancing he to be ignorant of love's true meaning oh impossible and a burning flush of shame rose to theos's brow shame that he could have entertained such a blasphemy against his idol for a moment then that curious vague soft contrition he had before experienced stole over him once again a sudden moisture filled his eyes and turning abruptly toward his host he held out his own just filled goblet drink we the loving cup together saluma he said and his voice trembled a little with its own deep tenderness pledge me thy faith as i do pledge thee mine and for to-day at least let me enjoy thy boon companionship who knows how soon we may be forced to part for ever and he breathed the last word softly with a faint sigh saluma looked at him with an expressive glance of bright surprise part he exclaimed joyously nay not we my friend not till we find each other tiresome not till we prove that our spirits like over meddlesome steeds do chafe and fret one another too rudely in the harness of custom wherefore then and then only twill be time to break loose at a gallop and seek each one a wider pasture-land meanwhile here's to thee and bending his handsome head he readily drank a deep draught of the proffered wine may all the gods hold fast our bond of friendship and with a graceful salute he returned the jewel cup half empty theos at once drained off what yet remained within it 
and then leaning more confidentially over the laureate's chair he whispered hast thou in very truth forgotten thy rashness of last night Saluma? surely thou must guess how unquiet i have been concerning thee tell me was thy hot pursuit in vain or didst thou discover the king peace and a quick frown darkened the smooth beauty of Saluma's face as he grasped theos's arm hard to warn him into silence then forcing a smile he answered in the same low tone twas not the king it could not be thou wert mistaken nay but persisted theos gently convince me of mine error didst thou overtake and steadily confront yon armed and muffled stranger not i and Saluma shrugged his shoulders petulantly sleep fell upon me suddenly when i left thee and methinks i must have wandered home like a shadow in a dream was i not drunk last night i and so in all likelihood wert thou little could we be trusted to recognize either king or clown he laughed then added nevertheless i tell thee once again twas not the king his majesty hath too much at stake to risk so dangerous a pleasantry theos heard but he was dissatisfied and ill at ease Saluma's careless contentment increased his own disquietude just then a curious-looking personage entered the apartment a grey-haired dwarfish negro who carried slung across his back a large bundle consisting of several neatly rolled-up pieces of linen one of which he presently detached from the rest and set down before the laureate who in return gave him a silver coin at the same time asking jestingly is the news worth paying for to-day zibia or is it the same ill-written clumsy chronicle of trumpery commonplace events zibia slipping the coin he had received into a wide leathern pouch which hung from his girdle appeared to meditate a moment then he replied if the truth must be told most illustrious there is nothing whatever to interest the minds of the cultured the cheap scrubs of the daily circular cater chiefly for the mob and do all in their power to foster morbid qualities of disposition and murderous tendencies among the lower orders hence though there is nothing in the news sheet pertaining to literature or the fine arts there is much concerning the sudden death of the young sculptor nerjalus whose body was found flung on the banks of the river this morning theo started saluma listened with placid indifference tis a case of self-slaughter pursued zibia chattily or so say the wise writers who are supposed to know everything self-slaughter committed during a state of temporary insanity well well i myself would have had a different opinion and a sagacious one no doubt interrupted saluma coldly and with a dangerous flash as of steel in his eyes but be advised good zibia give thine opinion no utterance the old negro shrank back nervously making numerous apologetic gestures and waited in abashed silence till the laureate's features regained their wonted soft serenity then he ventured to speak again though not without a little hesitation concerning the topics of the hour he murmured timorously my lord is perhaps not aware that the river itself is a subject of much excited discussion the water having changed to a marvellous blood-colour during the night which singular circumstance hath caused a great panic among the populace even now as i passed by the embankment the crowd there was thick as a hive of swarming bees he paused but saluma made no remark and he continued more glibly also to-day's circular contains the full statement of the king's reward for the capture of the prophet coast rule and the former programme of the sacrificial ceremonial announced to take place this evening in the temple of Nagaya. all is set forth in the fine words of the petty public scribes who needs must make as much as possible out of little and there is likewise a so-called facsimile of the king's signature which will naturally be of supreme interest to the vulgar furthermore it is proclaimed that a grand combat of wild beasts in the royal arena 
will follow immediately after the service in the temple is concluded methinks none will go to bed early seeing there is so full a list of amusements he paused again somewhat out of breath and saluma meanwhile unrolled the linen scroll he had purchased which measured about twenty-four inches in length and twenty in width carefully ruled black and red lines divided it into nearly the same number of columns as those on the page of an ordinary newspaper and it was covered with close writing here and there embellished by bold profusely ornamented headings one of these death of the sculptor nergalus seemed to burn into theos's brain like letters of fire how was it he wondered that the body of that unfortunate victim had been found on the shore of the river when he himself had seen it loaded with iron weights and cast into the lake that formed part of lycia's fatal garden presently saluma passed the scroll to him with a smile saying lightly there my friend is a specimen of the true mob literature written to-day forgotten to-morrow tis a droll thing to meditate upon the ephemeral nature of all this pouring out of unnecessary words and stale stock phrases and wouldst thou believe it theos each little paid scribe that adds his poor quota to this ill-assorted trash deems himself wiser and greater far than any poet or philosopher dead or living why in this very new sheet i have seen the immortal works of the divine hypspirus so hacked by the blunt knives of ignorant and vulgar criticism that by my faith were it not for contempt one would be disposed to nail the hands of such trumpery scribblers to a post and scourge their bare backs with thorny rods to cure them of their insolence nay even my fool zabastes hath found place in these narrow columns to write his carping diatribes against me me the king's laureate as i live his cumbersome diction hath caused me infinite mirth and i have laughed at his crabbed and feeble wit till my sides have ached most potently now get thee gone fellow thou and thy news and he nodded a good-humoured dismissal to the deferential zibia who with his woolly grey head very much on one side stood listening gravely and approvingly to all that was said yet stay has gossip whispered thee the name of the poor virgin self-destined for this evening's sacrifice no my lord responded zibia promptly tis veiled in deeper mystery than usual i have inquired of many but in vain and even the chief flamen of the outside court of the temple always drunk and garrulous as he is can tell me naught of the holy victim's title or parentage tis a passing fair wench said he with a chuckle that is all i know concerning her a passing fair wench ah and zibia rolled up the whites of his eyes and sighed in a comically contemplative manner if ever a flamen deserved expulsion from his office it is surely yon ancient crafty carnal-minded soul so keen a glance for a woman's beauty is not a needful qualification for a servant of the snake divine methinks we have fallen upon evil days maybe the crazed prophet is right after all and things are coming to an end like thy discourse i hope zibia observed saluma yawning and flinging himself lazily back on his velvet couch get hence and serve thy customers with their cheap news depend upon it some of them are cursing thee mightily for thy delay and if thou shouldst chance to meet the singing maiden of my household nephrata bitter make haste homeward she hath been absent since the break of morn too long for my contentment maybe i did unwisely give the child her freedom as slave she would not have presumed to get abroad thus wantonly without her lord's permission say if thou seest her that i am wrathful the thought of mine anger will be as a swift wing to waft her hither like a trembling dove afraid all penitent and eager for my pardon remember be sure thou tell her of my deep displeasure zibia bowed profoundly his outspread hands almost touching the floor in the servility of his obeisance and backed out of the room as humbly as though he were leaving the presence of royalty 
when he had gone theos looked up from the new scroll he was perusing is it not strange nephata should have left thee thus salome he said with a touch of anxiety in his tone maybe and he hesitated conscious of a strange unbidden remorse that suddenly and without any apparent reason overwhelmed his conscience maybe she was not happy not happy ejaculated salome amazedly not happy with me not happy in my house protected by my patronage where then if not here could she find happiness and his beautiful flashing eyes betokened his entire and naive astonishment at the mere supposition theo smiled involuntarily how charming after all was salome's sublime egotism how almost childlike was his confidence in himself and his own ability to engender joy all at once the young girl zoralin spoke her accents were low and timorous may it please my lord salome to hear me she said and paused thy lord salome hears thee with pleasure zoralin replied the laureate gently let us speak more sweetly than many a bird doth sing a rich warm blush crimsoned the maiden's cheeks at these dulcet words she drew a quick uneasy breath and then went on i love nephada she murmured in a soft tone of touching tenderness and i have watched her often when she deemed herself unseen she has methinks shed many tears for sake of some deep heart-buried sorrow we have lived as sisters sharing the same room and the same couch of sleep but alas in spite of all my lord's most constant kindly favour nephrata is not happy and and i have sometimes thought here her mellow voice sank into a nervous indistinctness that it may be because she loves my lord saluma far too well and as she said this she looked up with a sudden affright in her dark lovely eyes as though she were alarmed at her own presumption saluma met her troubled gaze calmly and with a bright smile of complacent vanity and dost thou plead for thine absent friend zorlin he asked with just sufficient satire in his utterance to render it almost cruel am i to blame for the foolish fancies of all the amorous maidens in alciris many there be who love me well what then must i love many in return nay not so the poet is the worshipper of ideal beauty and for him the brief passions of mortal men and women serve as mere pastime to while away an hour but by my faith thou hast gained wondrous boldness in thy speech to prate so glibly of the heart's emotion what knowest thou concerning such things thou who hast counted scarcely fifteen summers hast thou caught contagion from nephrata and art thou too sick of love oh the dazzling smile with which he accompanied this poignant question the pitiless burning ardour he managed to convey into the sleeping brilliancy of his soft poetic eyes the beautiful languor of his attitude as leaning his head back easily on one arm he turned up the shrinking girl a look that seemed intended to pierce into the very inmost recesses of her soul the roseate colour faded from her cheeks white as a marble image she stood her breath coming between her lips in quick frightened gasp my lord she stammered i here her voice failed her and suddenly covering her face with her hands she broke into a passion of weeping saluma's delicate brows darkened into a close frown and he waved his hand with a petulant gesture of impatience ye gods what fools are women he said wearily ever hovering uncertainly on a narrow verge between silly smiles and sillier tears as i live they are most uncomfortable playfellows and dwelling with them long would drive all the inspiration out of man no matter how nobly he were gifted ye butterflies ye little fluttering souls and beginning to laugh as readily as he had frowned he addressed the other maidens who though they did not dare to move or speak were evidently affected by the grief of their companion go hence all and take this sensitive baby zorlin into your charge and console her for her fancied troubles 
tis a mere frenzy of feminine weakness and will pass like an april shower but by the sacred veil if i saw much of woman's weeping i would discard for ever woman's company and dwell in peaceful hermit fashion alone among the tree-tops so heed the warning pretty ones let me witness none of your tears if you are wise or else say farewell to Salome and seek some less easy and less pleasing service with this injunction he signed to them all to depart whereupon the awed and trembling girls noiselessly surrounded the still convulsively sobbing zorlin and gently leading her away they quickly withdrew each one making a profound obeisance to their imperious master ere leaving his presence when they had finally disappeared Salome heaved a sigh of relief can anything equal the perverseness of these frivolous feminine toys he murmured pettishly turning his head round toward theos as he spoke was ever a more foolish child than zorlin just as i would fain have consoled her for her pricking heartache she must needs pour out a torrent of tear-drops to change my humour and quench her own delight tis the most irksome inconsistency theos glanced at him with a vague emotion of wonder and self-reproachful sadness nay wouldst thou indeed have consoled her Saluma? he inquired gravely how how and Saluma laughed musically my simple friend dost thou ask me such a babe's question he sprang from his couch and standing erect pushed his clustering dark hair off his wide bold brows am i disfigured aged lame or crooked-limbed cannot these arms embrace these lips engender kisses these eyes wax amorous and shall not one brief hour of love with me console the weariest maid that ever pined for passion now by my faith how solemn is thy countenance art thou an anchorite good theos and wouldst thou have me scourge my flesh and groan because the gods have given me youth and vigorous manhood he drew himself up with an inimitable gesture of pride his attitude was statuesque and noble and theos looked at him as he would have looked at a fine picture with a sense of critically satisfied admiration most assuredly i am no anchorite Saloma, he said smiling slightly yet with a touch of sorrow in his voice but methinks the consolement thou wouldst offer to enamoured maids is far more dangerous than lasting thy love to them means ruin thy embraces shame thy unthinking passion death what wilt thou be a spendthrift of desire wilt thou drain the fond souls of women as a bee drains the sweetness of flowers wilt thou being honey-cloyed behold them droop and wither around thee and wilt thou leave them utterly destroyed and desolate hast thou no vestige of a heart my friend a poet heart to feel the misery of the world the patient grief of all appealing nature commingled with the dreadful yet majestic silence of an unknown god oh surely thou hast this supremest gift of genius this loving enduring faithful sympathetic heart for without it how shall thy fame be held long in remembrance how shall thy muse-grown laurels escape decay tell me and leaning forward he caught his friend's hand in his eagerness thou art not made of stone thou art human thou art not exempt from mortal suffering not exempt no interposed Saluma thoughtfully but as yet i have never really suffered never really suffered theos dropped the hand he held and an invisible barrier seemed to rise slowly up between him and his beautiful companion never really suffered then he was no true poet after all if he was ignorant of sorrow if he could not spiritually enter into the pathos of speechless griefs and unshed tears if he could not absorb into his own being the prayers and plaints of all creation and utter them aloud in burning and immortal language his calling was in vain his election futile this thought smote theos with the strength of a sudden blow he sat silent and weighed with a dreary feeling of disappointment to which he was unable to give any fitting expression 
i have never really suffered repeated saloma slowly but i have imagined suffering that is enough for me the passions the tortures the despairs of imagination are greater far than the seeming real petty afflictions with which human beings daily perplex themselves indeed i have often wondered here his eyes grew more earnest and reflective whether this busy working of the brain called imagination may not perhaps be a special phase or supreme effort of memory and that therefore we do not imagine so much as we remember for instance if we have ever lived before our present recollection may in certain exalted states of mind serve to bring back the shadow pictures of things long gone by good or evil deeds scenes of love and strife ethereal and divine events in which we have possibly enacted each our different parts as unwittingly as we enact them here he sighed and seemed somewhat troubled but presently continued in a lighter tone yet after all it is not necessary for the poet to personally experience the emotions whereof he writes the divine hesperos depicts murderers cowards and slaves in his sublime tragedies but thinkest thou it was essential for him to become a murderer coward and slave himself in order to delineate these characters and i i write of love love spiritual love eternal love fitted for the angels i have dreamt of but not for such animals as men and what matters it that i know naught of such love unless perchance i knew it years ago in some far-off fairer sphere for me the only charm of worth in woman is beauty beauty to its entrancing sway my senses all make swift surrender oh too swift and too degrading a surrender interrupted theo suddenly with reproachful vehemence thy words do madden patience better a thousand times that thou shouldst perish saluma now in the full plenitude of thy poet glory than thus confess thyself a prey to thine own passions a credulous victim of lycia's treachery for one second the laureate stood amazed the next he sprang upon his guest and grasping him fiercely by the throat treachery he muttered with white lips treachery darest thou speak of treachery and lycia in the same breath o thou rash fool dost thou blaspheme my lady's name and yet not fear to die and his live brown fingers tightened their clutch but theos cared nothing for his own life some inward excitation of feeling kept him resolute and perfectly controlled kill me saloma he gasped kill me friend whom i love death will be easy at thy hands deprive me of my sad existence tis better so than that i should have slain thee last night at lycia's bidding at this saluma suddenly released his hold and started backward with a sharp cry of anguish his face was pale and his beautiful eyes grew strained and piteous slain me me at lycia's bidding he murmured wildly oh ye gods the world grows dark is the sun quenched in heaven at lycia's bidding nay by my soul my sight is dimmed i see naught but flaring red in the air why and he laughed discordantly thou poor theos thou shalt use no dagger's point for lo i am dead already thy words have killed me go tell her how well her cruel mission hath sped my very soul is slain at her bidding hasten to her wilt thou and his accents trembled with pathetic plaintiveness say i am gone lost drawn into a night of everlasting blackness like a taper blown swiftly out by the wind tell her that saluma the poet saluma the foolish credulous saluma who loved her so madly is no more his voice broke his head drooped while theos whose every nerve throbbed in responsive sympathy with the passion of his despair strove to think of some word of comfort that like soothing balm might temper the bitterness of his chafed and wounded spirit but could find none for it was a case in which the truth must be told and truth is always hard to bear if it destroys or attempts to destroy any one of our cherished self-delusions 
my friend my friend he said presently with gentle earnestness control this fury of thy heart why such unmanly sorrow for one who is not worthy of thee saluma looked up his black silky lashes were wet with tears not worthy oh the old poor consolation he exclaimed quickly dashing the drops from his eyes not worthy no what mortal woman is ever worthy of a poet's love not one in all the world nevertheless worthy or unworthy true or treacherous naught can make lycia otherwise than fair fair beyond all fairness and i i was sole possessor of her beauty for me her eyes warmed into stars of fire for me her kisses ripened in their pearl and ruby nest all all for me and now he flung himself desolately on his couch and fixed his wistful gaze on his companion's grave pained countenance till all at once a hopeful light flashed across his features a light that seemed to shine through him like an inwardly kindled flame ah what a querulous fool am i he cried joyously so joyously that theos knew not whether to be glad or sorry at his sudden and capricious change of mood why should i thus bemoan myself or fancied wrong good noble theos thou hast been misled my lycia's words were but to try thy mettle to test thee to the core and prove thee truly faithful as saluma's friend she bade thee slay me even so but hadst thou rashly undertaken such a deed thine own life would have paid the forfeit now i begin to understand it all that tis plain and his face grew brighter and brighter as he cheated himself into the pleasing idea his own fancy had suggested she tried thee she tempted thee she found thee true and incorruptible ah twas a jest my friend and entirely recovering from his depression he clapped his hand heartily on theosa's shoulder twas all a jest and she the fair inquisitor for herself prove it so ere long and make merry with our ill-omened fears why i can laugh now at mine own despondency come look thou also more cheerily gentle theos and pardon these uncivil fingers that so nearly gripped thee into silence and he laughed thou art the best and kindest of loyal comrades and i will so assure lycia of thy merit that she shall institute no more torture trials upon thy frank and trusting nature heigh-ho and stretching out his arms lazily he heaved a sigh of tranquil satisfaction methought i was wounded into death but twas the mere fancied prick of an arrow after all and i am well again what art thou still melancholy still sombre nay surely thou wilt not be a veritable kill-joy theos stood mute and sorely perplexed he saw at once how useless it was now to try and convince saluma of any danger threatening him through the instigation of the woman he loved he would never believe it and yet something must be done to put him on his guard taking up the scroll of the public news where the account of the finding of the body of nergalus was written with all that exaggerated attention to repulsive details which seems to be a special gift of the cheap reporters theos pointed to it his was a cruel end he said in a low uncertain voice saluma canst thou expect mercy from a woman who has once been so merciless bah returned the lawyer lightly who and what was nergalus a hewer of stone images a nobody he will not be missed besides he is only one of many who have perished thus only one of many ejaculated theos with a shudder of aversion and yet o thou most reckless and misguided soul thou dost love this wanton murderess a warm flush tinted saluma's olive skin his hands clenched and unclenched slowly as though he held some struggling prison thing and raising his head he looked at his companion full and steady with a singularly solemn and reproving expression in his luminous eyes hast thou not loved her also he demanded a faint serious smile curving his lips as he spoke if only for the space of some few passing moments was not thy soul ravished thy heart and slave thy manhood conquered by her spell i 
thou dost shrink at that and his smile deepened as theus suddenly conscience-stricken avoided his friend's too scrutinizing gaze blame me not therefore for thine own weakness he paused then went on slowly with a meditative air i love her yes as a man must always love the woman that baffles him the woman whose moods are complex and fluctuating as the winds on the sea and whose humour sways between the softness of the dove and the fierceness of the tiger nothing is more fatally fascinating to the masculine sense than such a creature more especially if to this temperament is united rare physical grace combined with keen intellectual power tis vain to struggle against the irresistible witchery exercised over us by the commingling of beauty and ferocity we see it in the wild animals of the forest and the high soaring birds of the air and we like nothing better than to hunt it capture it tame it or kill it as suits our pleasure he paused again and again smiled a grave reluctant doubting smile such as seemed to theos oddly familiar suggesting to his bewildered fancy that he must have seen it before on his own face reflected in a mirror even thus do i love lycia continued salome she perplexes me she opposes her will to mine the very irritation and ferment into which i am thrown by her presence adds fire to my genius and but for the spur of this never satiated passion who knows whether i should sing so well he was silent for a little space then he resumed in a more ordinary tone the wretched nergellus whose fate thou dost so persistently deplore deserved his end for his presumption didst thou not hear his insolent insinuation concerning the king i heard it yes replied theos and i saw no harm in the manner of his utterance no harm exclaimed saluma excitedly no harm nay but i forget thou art a stranger in alciris and therefore thou art ignorant of the last words spoken by the sacred oracle some hundred years or more ago they are these when the high priestess is the king's mistress then fall alciris tis absolute doggerel and senseless withal nevertheless it has caused the enactment of a law which is to the effect that the reigning monarch of alciris shall never under any sort of pretext confer with the high priestess of the temple on any business whatsoever and that furthermore he shall never be permitted to look upon her face except at times of public service and state ceremonials now dost thou not at once perceive how vile were the suggestions of nergalus and also how foolish was thy fancy last night with regard to the armed masquerader thou didst see in lycia's garden theus made no reply but sat absorbed in his own reflections he began now to understand much that had before seemed doubtful and mysterious no wonder he thought that zephyronum's fury against the audacious coast rule had been so excessive for had not the crazed prophet called lycia an unvirgined virgin and queen courtesan and according to saluma's present explanation nothing more dire and offensive in the way of open blasphemy could be uttered yet the question still remained was coast rule right or wrong this was a problem which theos longed to investigate and yet recoiled from instinctively he felt that upon its answer hung the fate of alciris and also what just then seemed more precious than anything else the life of saluma he could not decide with himself why this was so he simply accepted his own inward assurance that so it was presently he inquired how comes it saluma that the corpse of nergalus was found on the shores of the river did we not see it weighed with iron and laid elsewhere o oh, simpleton laughed saluma thinkest thou lycia's lake of lilies is a common grave for criminals the body of nergalus sank therein tis true but was there no after means of lifting it from thence and placing it where best such carrion should be found hath not the high priestess of nagaya slaves enough to work her will 
verily thou dost trouble thyself over much concerning these trivial everyday occurrences i marvel at thee hundreds have drained the silver nectar gladly for so fair a woman's sake hundreds will drain it gladly still for the mere privilege of living some brief days in the presence of such peerless beauty but speaking of the river didst thou remark it on thy way hither ay responded theos dreamily twas red as blood strange and saluma looked thoughtfully for an instant and rousing himself said lightly tis from some simple cause no doubt yet twill create a silly panic in the city and all the fanatics for coast rules new creed will creep forth shouting afresh their prognostications of death and doom by my faith twill be a most desperate howling and i'll not walk abroad till the terror hath abated moreover i have work to do some lately budded thoughts of mine have ripened into glorious conclusion and zabastes hath orders presently to attend me that he may take my lines down from mine own dictation thou shalt hear a most choice legend of love and thou wilt listen here he laid his hand affectionately on theos's shoulder a legend set about methinks with wondrous jewels of poetic splendour tis a rare privilege i offer thee my friend for as a rule sebastes is my only auditor but i would swear thou art no plagiarist and wouldst not dishonour thine own intelligence so far as to filch pearls of fancy from another minstrel as well steal my garments as my thoughts for verily the thoughts are the garments of the poet's soul and the common thief of things petty and material is no whit more contemptible than he who robs an author of ideas wherein to deck the bareness of his own poor wit come place thyself at ease upon this cushioned couch and give me thy attention i feel the fervour rising within me i will summon zabastes here he pulled a small silken cord which at once set a clanging bell echoing loudly through the palace and thou shalt freely hear and freely judge the last offspring of my fertile genius my lyrical romance nurhalma theos started violently he had the greatest difficulty to restrain the anguished cry that arose to his lips nurhalma o memory slow filtering reluctant memory why why was his brain thus tortured with these conflicting pang of piteous recollection little by little like sharp deep stabs of nervous suffering there came back to him a few faint fragmentary suggestions which gradually formed themselves into a distinct and comprehensive certainty nurhalma was the title of his own poem the poem he had written surely not so very long ago among the mountains of the pass of dariel End of chapter 22